0: Sponsorship of the KQED live audio stream comes from Xfinity Mobile, featuring customized wireless plans. Customers can choose unlimited, buy the gig, shared data, or a mix of both and switch it up anytime. Learn more at XfinityMobile.com. From KQED in San Francisco, this is the Writer's Block. My name is Hector Tobar. I'm a writer and novelist based in Los Angeles, and I am reading from my novel, The Barbarian Nurseries, which is the story of a nanny housekeeper who works in a home in Southern Orange County uh, in a very affluent home. And as our story begins, she is opening the door for the first guests at a birthday party that's being held for one of the two uh, boys uh, in her home. Um, This party, like many um, American parties, is organized with a theme, and it has a Roman theme. Think asterisk and obelisk, and she is going to be greeting uh, the first guests. The first guests arrived and rang the doorbell ten minutes early. A terribly rude North American habit, in Araceli's opinion. Rolling her eyes in exasperation, she left a stack of sopes waiting to be garnished with Oaxaca cheese in the kitchen, and walked toward the finger that had set off the electric chimes, but stopped when two midget centurions with papier-mâché swords ran past her. Brandon and Keenan raced to the door, holding their helmets atop their heads as they ran, and Araceli listened, unamused, as they stumbled over the lines their mother Maureen had told them to recite. "'Friends, Romans, countries!' Keenan began and then faltered, until Brandon finished with, "'Give us your ears!' "'How cute!' the early guests called out. Little Romans. When the second and third guests arrived at precisely the appointed hour, the boys were off playing with the children of the first guests, while Maureen and Scott were busy in the back, which left Araceli to open the door for the invitados. We're here for Keenan's party. An American woman with vaguely Asian features and a child and husband in tow tried to look past Araceli into the interior of the house, her expression suggesting she expected to see wondrous and magical things there. Si, adelante. What Araceli really wanted to say was, why do you people insist on treating an informal social gathering as if it were the launching of a rocket ship? Why do you arrive with a clock ticking in your head? How am I supposed to finish these sopes la señora Maureen wants if you keep ringing the doorbell? In Mexico, it was understood that when you invited people to a party at one o'clock, that meant the host would almost be ready at one, and therefore the guests should arrive at their leisure at least an hour later. Here, huh, they do things differently. The punctual guests walk past Araceli, ooing and aahing at the decorations in the living room, at the Roman-lettered cardboard signs declaring Happy Birthday, Keenan, and a Roman numeral 8 on either side of the Chesterfield sofa, and the Doric styrofoam columns topped with plastic replica helmets. Araceli recognized this couple and the other guests that followed from parties past. They were people she saw frequently back in the days when she first started with the Torres Thompsons when a Seor Scott had his own company. They arrived dressed in the assertively casual attire Southern Californians wore at their weekend parties, in cotton shorts and leather sandals, in jeans faded to the whitish-blue of the Orange County sky in summer, and in T-shirts that had gone through the washer a few times too often. Her heffa wanted everything just right, and now these early arrivers in their unironed natural fabrics were preventing Araceli from finishing her appointed task. The way some of these people dressed was the flip side of their punctuality. They were like children who cling to a favorite blanket or T-shirt. They valued comfort over presentation— They were unaware or unconcerned about the spectacle they inflicted upon the eyes of the overworked Mexicana who must greet them. How disappointing to work so hard preparing a home for an elegant event, only to have such unkempt guests. Hello, I brought some cookies for the party, the next early arriver said. Can I leave them with you? The woman with the chocolate chip cookies was Carla Wallace Zuberi, chief publicist of the defunct Mindware Digital Solutions. She was a roundish white woman of Eastern European stock with box-shaped sunglasses and a matriarchal air, and she lingered near the doorway as her husband advanced into the Torres Thompson home with their daughter, Carla's gaze settling on Araceli as the Mexican woman took a few impertinent moments to assess the cookies. Carla Wallace Zuberi prided herself on having an eye for strong personalities, and here was one that could clearly fill a room, and not just because she was a tad larger than most other Mexican servants. Araceli wore her hair pulled tightly and gathered into two fist-sized nubs just over her ears, an absurd style that suggested a disoriented German peasant. The only thing this Mexican woman accomplishes by pulling her hair back is to establish a look of severity. Maybe that's the point. A small spray of hair, just a few bangs jutted forth from Araceli's forehead, like the curled plume of a quail, a half-hearted concession to femininity. On this, as on all other workdays, Araceli wore the boxy, nurse-like uniform called a Filipina that was standard for domestics in Mexico City. Araceli had five such uniforms, and today she wore the pale yellow one because it was the newest. She took the cookies from the publicist with a frown that said... Since you insist on giving these to me, the publicist suppressed a surprised chuckle. This is one tough woman, a no-nonsense mom. Look at those hips. This woman has given birth. Of course she is irritated because she is separated from her child or children. Carla wallace Subetti was a self-described progressive. And a few days before this party, she had spent 20 minutes in her neighborhood bookstore perusing the back cover, jacket-flap material, and opening paragraphs of a book called Maria's Choice, which related the journey of a Guatemalan woman forced to leave her children behind for years while she worked in California. How terrible, Carla wallace thought. How disconcerting to know that there are people like this living among us. This bit of knowledge was disturbing enough to keep her from buying the book, and for the rest of the party, whenever Carlo Wallace-Suberi caught a glance of Araceli, guilt and pity caused her to turn her head and look the other way. When Sasha, the big man of Akian, appeared at the door five minutes later, his eyes caught Araceli's directly in a way that was once irritating to her and familiar. He was a tall, bulky man with curly, chestnut blond hair and much darker eyebrows that were shaped like railroad boxcars. Now he raised both boxcars spryly as he made eye contact with the Mexican maid. The big man was the partner of El Señor Scott in that business of theirs, And there was a time when he made frequent visits to this home, assaulting Araceli with this same impish look. A self-described professional BSer, the big man saw in Araceli an authenticity lacking in 99% of the people who crossed his path. He had no line, no clever riposte with which he could amuse and beguile this woman, the way he could with people who came from his own English-speaking California software entrepreneur circle. He had seen Araceli out of uniform and with her hair much longer and not tied back like it was today, and had once managed to make her laugh with a bilingual pun. The memory of her laughter, of her round face brightening and the ivory sparkle of her teeth, had stayed with him. She worked with another girl Guadalupe, who was too petite and too fake cheerful to hold his attention, and today he barely noticed her absence. The big man also knew, because he had made a point of finding out over the years, that Araceli had no children, no boyfriend that Scott or Marie knew about, on this side of the border at least, and that Scott considered her something of a sphinx. Scott and his wife had coined nicknames for her, such as Madam Weirdness, Sergeant Araceli, and the ironic Little Miss Sunshine, but she was also extremely dependable, trustworthy, and a dazzling cook. The big man's stomach rumbled as he contemplated the Mexican hors d'oeuvres that would be on offer at this party, as at all the others the Torres Thompsons hosted. He entered the home ahead of his long-suffering wife and son without saying any other word to Araceli than a mumbled hola. To subscribe to the Writer's Block and hear more stories, visit kqed.org slash The Writer's Block is produced by KQED.